0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. One of the keys to my successes is that I got down differently than other people. I thought the parties were important. I do some of my best networking running the streets at night.
1: Welcome back to Rebel Radio. That was Cassie. With her favorite quote from today's guest, Paul Stewart, a.k.a. DJP. Paul Stewart's the founder of Over the Edge Books. You can check it out at overtheedgebooks.com. It's maybe the only hip-hop book publishing company in the business. Really focused on on urban titles with books from Pimp C, Bobby Brown, and Darlene, Ice-T's first wife. Paul is a legend in... The hip-hop business going back to the start in Los Angeles and uh, he's he's had a successful career as a manager uh, A&R guy discovering people like the far side Warren G House of Pain and uh, really when I met him back in the 90s he was at the height of his career and and just you know seemed like he was on top of the world next thing you know that all fell apart. He's being sued by Def Jam and all the hits kind of went away. And Paul's story that he, he's going to get into is really about reinvention. It's about weathering the ups and downs. He took that career, became a really successful music supervisor, uh, working on movies with John Singleton and winning an Oscar for his work on Hustle and Flow. And uh, he's now got three shows on the air that he's music supervising. John Singleton's Snowfall on FX, an HBO show called Insecure, and a show called Born Again Virgins. So we're going to talk through all that, how he's made it through the rain, and uh, how he stays creative and connected. Before we get into the interview, though, let's hear the EDM.com track of the week here on Rebel Radio.
0: Cheeks all over you If I said I couldn't care less I'd be lying To get back up, I don't want to have to see you fucked. The mother girl, the mother girl.
1: Oh yeah, that was kind of sexy. That was Bad Flight with a track called Anuka, our EDM.com track of the week. That's on the Your Secret channel. If you go to EDM.com and look for Your Secret, you'll find some other tracks like that. Now let's get into the interview with Paul Stewart. Well, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. Oh man, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. You, you've been—you were one of the first names that came to my mind when I when when I thought about doing this show. Uh, I got stories. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> I know you do, and you've been a big influence on me. And oh, and um and you know you're you're one of the people that I think like you know you have valuable lessons to tell. So hopefully we'll get into some of that here. Sure. On Rebel Radio with our guest today, Paul Stewart. What up, what up? DJP. How you doing? Um, so, but let's talk about what we'll, we're just getting into. So, uh, you know, I know you're saying you have problems with the music industry and, and record company people specifically. And I had some of that, you know, when I was getting out of the music business. Mm-hmm. You know, I would tell people like, oh, I was doing management and then I stopped and everyone was like, yeah, artists are crazy. Right. And it was just, like, you're babysitting. And, you sure. Know, I never had that experience personally. You know, uh, my artists were They're all greater. adults. Yeah. They were, you know, everyone has their moments, but but they were all great to work with. And, uh, you know, I know you may have had a more diverse set of experiences with artists, but but I always felt like... Those weren't the people I had problems with. It, it was, was the industry, it, right, right. And it, it was, was the label cats that right. would show up an hour late to the their execs own office. And everything. Right, right.
2: Yeah, there's an amazing. I'm completely unimpressed with both the people that work at the record labels and the management for the most part that's yeah. in the music industry right now. I mean, I just like there's an incredible lack of talent. Um, I think that the music industry got taken over by lawyers and accountants. And so, at the top, you have these people that don't understand the industry. They're, they're mm-hmm. not creative people, mm-hmm. so they hire uncreative people underneath them. And you have these like ego-driven maniacs that might be the nephew of the owner, or you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. kind of like nepotism and and just unqualified. You know, uh, if I had the budgets that those people had to make hit records, I mean, come Michelle. on, you know, who couldn't hire go hire a hit song songmaker? It's ridiculous, you know. Yeah, go find some talent like I did when they're on demos, you know. I mean, I discover I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I've discovered. Go ahead,
1: you can brag. <laughs> I've you discovered
2: people that sold more records than pretty much almost all of these A and R cats. But because if you count discovering records on somebody that already has a record on the radio in another right. city, it, that doesn't count. You know, yeah. Uh, to me, that's not really just that's like you know research. That's not like listening and discovering talent. That's not right. like having an eye for talent. That's like noticing a trend that something's happening. It's like paperwork. It's like right. you know. So uh,
1: well, let, let's let's talk. We only have an hour, so okay, we sure. can't we can't go through the whole resume. Okay, sure. That would take our whole show. You're sweet. Um, but you know, uh, highlights. Yeah, let's go through the highlights. So you know, when, when I met when we first met, you know, I knew about PMP Street Promotion Company, mm-hmm. and I knew you were doing clubs. Right, uh, we got introduced. I don't know if you remember through Matt Jones, mm. who I was interning for at the time at Motown. I do remember that, and he was like, "Yo, oh, you should meet Paul Stewart." And you know, I knew of PMP, but I I didn't know anything about you, and and uh, and so you know, I knew that you you had like a big thing going locally in LA, and I, I really didn't know any more than that. But but you know, you had that going, and then you. I could give you the real abbreviated, just kind of, you know. Let's do it.
2: uh, Born and raised in Los Angeles. Proud to be from the Crenshaw District. (laughs) The few white people from that area. (laughs) I I don't have no thug life tattoos or anything. I don't run around. I'm from the hood. The nice part, you know, from the nice part of the hood. So that's kind of a rare thing. But uh, I started DJing early when I was in college. I won't give any years away. But uh, uh, very early. Fuck it. 82. Can can I swear? Sorry. All right. So, um... You know, I started DJing. I started doing street promotion, and then I started managing artists. And I discovered through the course of doing street promotion, I kind of like started meeting artists and stuff. And so, I discovered a bunch of artists. You know, uh, I was their first manager. You know, basically from demo tapes and stuff. You know, Farside, House of Pain, Warren G, Coolio, uh, were all management clients that I discovered. Montel Jordan was signed. I discovered him was signed to my label. I later got a label deal with, with Def Jam. I opened up their West Coast offices, uh, you know, um, I sent them Domino and other things. So I was involved in, a. you know, I helped other local groups like Freestyle Fellowship get their deal. I, I helped a lot of groups get deals. Um, and I discovered those artists that I mentioned. And
0: oh yeah. Stuck, unable to breathe through the chronic cloud that somehow prevents me from installing fresh air. Ah, and they'll smoke. Pass me the joint so I could take a token. One, puff, two, puff, three, puff, four, puff, five. I'm feeling real high. Lean it to the side and my flossy ass ride with the OG gangster glide. Woo! Hey, now you know. Inhale, exhale with my flow. Break away, come again like this. The we to the C, two times don't miss. Cause if you do your break, you get broke. Me and
2: Mr. G, and the end no smoke. And in the course of that, I started music supervising films. My first one was Poetic Justice. Now I've done like over 40. I did recently uh, Dear White People. I've done like Fast and Furious 2 and a gang of stuff. Uh, Hustle and Flow, we won the Oscar. So those are kind of the the highlights. And now I have my book company, Over the Edge Books, which is kind of something that I'm just really putting tons of my energy into and, you know, and just trying to document the culture and, and, um, and do it the right way. So instead of complaining about all these other people that aren't representing the culture, right, let me, right. Let me do it my way. Let me try to do it the right yeah. way. You know?
1: yeah. That's great. Well, I, there's a lot in there that I want to dig into, but so talk about Over the Edge first. Okay. Because that's the newest project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I'm think so it's pretty exciting it. what you're doing.
2: Yeah, well, you know, a couple years ago, I had started producing films uh, from music supervising films. And as a manager, I had hired, ton- I got really interested in filmmaking from the music video side. I hired, like, Gary Gray to do his first video, Paul Hunter to do his first video, Dave Myers to do, like, his first real video. So I never got a pretty good eye for the visual, the mm-hmm. same as ear, you know. So I was really, got really interested in just, like, you know, Filmmaking. If it was small, little videos or movies that I was working on as a music supervisor and I wanted to produce films. And so I started to produce a couple films and was just really frustrated with the process. Felt like I had worked on all these movies and I saw how they were done. I saw how the studios did on the independent movies. And I felt like the people that were making the movies didn't understand our culture. Mm -hmm. talking about urban culture, basically. Mm -hmm. That tends to be the stuff I work on, you know, or even broader, let's just say youth culture, you know. And so... um, I wanted to I wanted to produce things and I decided that if I put things out as books that maybe we could get like a Marvel esque kind of thing going in the urban world where we'd be putting out all this cool content and then the film studios it would come to us instead mm-hmm. of me trying to beg them and play that silly game like, you know, I wanted to control the content from the early stages, let it come out the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Develop it so that the projects can be shown. There's an audience for it. You know, some of our books maybe will be documentaries. Hopefully some maybe will be turned into feature films. You know, some of that's starting to happen, you know. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've put out like 30 books. We have Darlene Ortiz's uh, memoirs, Ice-T's First Wife. We're really excited about that. We did a deal with Murder Dog Magazine where we're re-releasing their content. We have like pictures of little Wayne. He's like 13 years old, no Mm -hmm. tattoos and stuff. You know, we got some Mm -hmm. exciting content. Uh, We have a book. By this local photographer who uh, was uh, Deron Jackson who was following uh, Kendrick around from kind of like the MySpace days. And so like we have like ASAP and Kendrick on the cover and that kind of has like all the new school artists. And so just trying to put out, you know, um, just kind of a voice for people that maybe major publishers don't understand uh, uh, their relevance or, you, you know, letting people do things. I believe in let artists do things the way they want. Yeah. I tried to create a format where it's like a 50-50 profit split. So it's a much kind of new school, digital age kind of deal for, for mm-hmm. the uh, content providers as opposed to like the old school industry. Like, yeah, you know, kid, you know, we own everything. Here's some little Cadillac money. And then, right. you know, you don't get anything else. No matter yeah. how much it sells, you get screwed, you know. And so I just tried to create a, a new business model uh, that could work for everybody and, um I'm just thrilled about it, you know, um, just being able to put out people's stories the way they want to do it. And yeah. it, it, it's great because it's kind of like, you know, I can do music or, you know, I, you know, I love music, but I have a lot of interest. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can, you know, we do a lot of music stuff, but we do stuff that's not music, too. When,
0: yeah. When you say like the bigger publishers can't properly document like the urban community, what do you mean by that?
2: Well. Mainstream culture in general, I mean, I think just like the mainstream media, excuse me, in general, I think just doesn't do a very good job of kind of like, well, first, there's just so much institutionalized racism in regards to like urban culture, you know, I mean, and hip hop and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, So, so there's there's that. And it's just kind of the people that control, let's say, because this started with my frustration of films and TV that were being made, but it's Mm -hmm. equal with the books that are being published. It's just a lack of understanding of what's important and what people are interested in because they're not in touch with this culture, this world. You know, it's it's one thing to study it and like look at, oh, this is charting or kids Mm -hmm. are into this, but when you live it, you know what's going on and you talk to people and, you know, so most of the people that are the decision makers is like, oh, we're going to publish this book. This is the movie we're going to decide to make whatever have a total disconnect to urban culture sure. so they're picking things based on what they you know what i mean yeah, so basically right. you just have the wrong people making decisions right. you know what i mean and a lot of those people are racist on top of it and like right. you know and their stereotype views and you know so you know, like, and, and, and I'm thrilled that Straight out of Compton got made, and I think it's incredible for uh, hopefully what I'm doing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. That it was yeah. so successful and everything and showing wow, there's this huge interest in these stories. Uh, young kids are interested, and you mm-hmm. know, there's this huge audience and stuff, yeah. and you know, and so uh, because I think a lot of that was a real battle for them to get made, and look how successful it was. You know what I mean? And yeah. and and there's a lot of other stories like that that. Um, Probably won't get told unless maybe me or someone like me,
1: you know, yeah. steps up to the plate. Mm-hmm. And well, that's one of the things I love about. I mean, I think you're doing some great, uh, some some great books. Thanks. And, but one of the thing I, I love about it is like, you know, there's like you're saying there's an entire market that's being overlooked that, uh, not by chance, right? By structurally the way the publishing industry works, right. they're not set up to recognize this culture, and yeah. I think, you know, if you walked into, I mean, I've, I've never sat with a book publisher, but I would expect them to just assume that, you know, black people aren't reading books, right. or that you right. you know, right. aren't reading books. Right. Well, we get a lot of that, you yeah. know, for sure.
2: Um, well, also, too, just thinking that the only people that are interested in this kind of stuff are black people, obviously, Absolutely. you know, that, that's a, a misconstrued sure. notion, right? right? Um, you know, I started, I was inspired by a couple of companies when I started the company. One of them was Marvel Mm -hmm. because they create their content um, and like and because they put it out in printed form, Mm -hmm. similar to what we're doing. And their comic books lose money, but they make so much money on the ancillary products. So part of my deal is to look at things. In a brand, and i 'm not doing such a heavy handed deal that Marvel does where they own everything mm-hmm. you know it's a buyout from the artist and everything mine's you know a more fair deal, but yet yeah. we're in but it's different than the traditional publisher because we are involved mm-hmm. in the other areas, but we also are bringing those opportunities as well so mm-hmm. but um you know so I think you know I just think that uh you know the, the the major publishers and companies like that i mean you know are just so slow to recognize these kind of things and stuff you know that you know hopefully i can build this up and then you know maybe a company like that would want to acquire us or something but you know uh, to t- to your point too so the content that that we're making we create videos to you know promote every book that mm-hmm. we do right you know um you know we we have a blog on our site that you know talks about relevant you know things to our audience and stuff and so in that regard, I also kind of like um, uh, uh, was very influenced by Vice Media mm-hmm. because I looked something you said just they uh, reason I believe Vice Media was so successful is they appealed to a demographic that was being ignored
3: mm-hmm.
2: point blank that that's why they're successful right sure. sure it was a magazine then it went to a website right but that's the key right yeah. like if you look at their success that's the key so I feel the same way about our audience. Mm-hmm. And that's why, and so that, so I look at it like, maybe they won't read the book, but if they watch the video, right. mm-hmm. we're getting views and you know, it's all Absolutely. content, right? Yeah. You know, maybe we'll be able to sell this story for film and TV rights that they'll go see or something, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or something. So, and I also just think that, you know, uh, I mean, there's a huge street lit market. I mean, you know, uh, you know, yeah people are you know reading is certainly not like probably going in the right direction but all the more reason for my company i'm one of the few companies that makes books that kids that aren't reading would want to learn hey government give me a uh, give me some money (laughs) (laughs) let's get these kids reading you know what i mean like can i get a grant you know but um you know so to that point you know i think um my answer to that is like they don't have to read the book they could watch the video and we could still you know generate you know the message right and from a business standpoint, generate income from, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, you know, with the we did a deal with with Pimp C's estate. Uh, Unfortunately, another book came out uh, that uh, his mother was working on with Julie Beverly before our book. So we're repositioning what we're doing and everything. Mm. But I got him, uh, I got the estate, you know, merchandising deal with Black uh, Scale, you know, a record deal with Decon. Nice. You know what I mean? Right. So there's all these kind of like, you know, things that we can ancillary kind of like revenue streams or other ways that we can potentially, um, you know, get these brands moving so you know, even and, and and the way we're doing the books, you know, they don't cost us a lot of money.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's okay mm-hmm. if we don't sell tons. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, because they're all profit. Sure, we're not. We we're not operating under the old medium of printing up a whole bunch of books and shipping them to bookstores that are going out of business, unfortunately, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and left, and then and getting returns and stuff. We're we're on right. we're on a print on demand kind of model. So you know, we pay a little more per book, but it, it's been allowed me to, you know just tell people, yeah, I can make your book and, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. if, if it happens, if it hits great, you know what I mean? Right. If not, I didn't lose any money or I, I lost right. so little. It was okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, I want to go back and kind of talk about music, to get to how we got to this point. Yeah. Right. So, um, so like I said, when, you know, when we met, you know, in my mind, you were already, you know, running LA, um, that oh, nice, was, nice. that would have been 91. Yeah. Uh, so, so, but let's go back to the beginning sure Um, how'd you how'd you get first of all like uh, when did when would when did music really start impacting you Oh, wow. When I was a kid, you know,
2: I was huge into music. When we were little kids, like elementary school, we used to buy 45s at the warehouse on the Brea. And I had a very diverse taste, like Stevie Wonder, Billy Preston, the Carpenters, the Basie Rollers, like all the way to the best to the worst, you know. But I always had this kind of pop ear and really good stuff. Like I said, like the Stevie Wonder. Do you remember the first
1: record you bought?
2: The first album I bought was Sgt. Pepper's* on oh, on, on vinyl, but I had been buying those 45s for a little before yeah. that. But yeah, I, re- I distinctly remember buying *Sergeant Pepper's*. I was 13. I bought it at a used record store uh, on PCH. Um, but um, I um, musical. My brother was really into classic rock, and so you know, at like 13, like around that age, you know, that's when I really got into it with him. You know, that's when. You know, we started smoking reefer. I started very young, you know, and, and, and we're listening to all this Jimi Hendrix and Beatles uh-huh. and all this, like, mind expanding. Like, my brother was into, like, older music, like, 60s rock. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I got turned on to just Rolling Stones, Beatles. And, and, and I had a young friend in junior high who was really into Beatles. And so I got really into, like, that, you know. And mm-hmm. then... I started hanging out with kids from my neighborhood as a little older, and then I got, they were turning me on to Rick James cameo, and so like funk and all that yep. stuff became really, I got really into that. And I was listening to, I was listening to Rock, I was listening like Ozzy Osbourne, all kind of stuff, and then, and then I went away to college, and and the guy comes over and goes like, "You guys always playing your music so loud. Why don't you do the music for the dance?" And I started DJing. And so the first dance was crazy. I had made a tape where like you pause it right mm-hmm. at the end of the song, you know. Yeah. And then pause and then I, mix. So I had a turntable and a tape deck, and the mm-hmm. turntable was just to play one record when I when I flipped the tape deck. Yeah. yeah oh so gosh. I did the dance and for killed sure. the dance, and then I, and from there I started DJing. You What'd know you know?
1: play so, in that in that set? Oh
2: man, it was like 50s rock, like Rock Around the Clock. It oh, was shit. like, yeah, it was like Rick James, B 52s. Wow. You know, it was like New Wave. Was like, ooh, you know. So it was an exciting time. It was, you know, yeah. 82. You know, it was like, you know, we had we had Sugar Hill Gang records. There was there was a guy at our dorms from San Jose, Leroy Worthy, and he had a crate, and it was like every hip hop record that come out right. at that time. He used to let us borrow it for the dances. So we'd play we'd play his stuff, and it was like, you know, it was it was New Wave. We were playing like I said, Motown fifties rock, you know, it was a little, you wow.
1: know, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It was, it was diverse. You know, it's funny because now I think there's this, uh, you know, a lot of the walls have come down around genres, right? Right. And that the popular conception is that that's a new thing. Mm. Right. But, but I feel like it's not, I feel like, you know, cause I had a similar background to yours. Uh, and I was exposed to all different types of music and you didn't really draw those lines. I mean... Right, right, no. Well, it's interesting. I think it
2: kind of depends maybe where you're from and some things like that, you know. But yeah, like, I mean... Like Leroy Worthy and his friends, I mean they were definitely listening to all kind of other stuff. Like they gave me the crate so we could play some of the hip hop, sure. you know what I mean? Like sure. wanted to hear their shit at the dance, right. you know what I mean? But yeah, because well, there was tons of other stuff, you know. And, yeah. and there was a lot I mean, you know, MTV and you know, I always say that Madonna and Michael Jackson's through um, changed a lot because to me I felt like before then it was more segregated because it was like white music was guitar driven and black music was like dance, like beat driven. Right. And after the Madonna and the Mike it all pop music became beat driven. Sure. There the rock kinda went out. Yeah window you know i mean there, i guess people were listening to hair metal, but i wasn't you right. know what i mean so i didn't like at that when people were listening to like uh what's the uh, big hair metal bands like guns N' roses kind of thing even before them like um i missed all that yeah i was like totally in the but i was in the hip-hop i did too and, but but i yeah, had like music, and iron Maiden. no not
1: is that yeah, iron like? Maiden, yeah i mean judas priest yeah i don't know any of those groups i don't like any of that stuff it's funny like that I was w- old,
2: like Jimi hendrix shit but i don't yeah. like any of that stuff yeah
1: yeah i it wasn't for me but but it's funny like I got introduced to that music through the cholos mm. because you know g- growing up you know and and you know we're in like fourth grade, mm-hmm. and you know everybody it was all soul right it was oldies right right you right. know, and then you know all of a sudden a couple of the dudes like you know, they just start showing up rock. in Ozzy T-shirts and Metallica, right. right? And you know, Metallica's from San Francisco, so they were like the local band that, right. you know, was credible. And and it, but it was all the Cholos that were into that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's and yeah, that's funny, yeah. Uh But you know, no. Well, for me, what's a, a funny digress. was I grew up in a black neighborhood, and
2: you know they they they, they took they took me out of the schools. Like when I was a little kid, I was like the only white kid in the elementary school. Yeah. Then they took me out and put me in schools on the west side, and 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 I met. I started hanging out. The first time I really knew Mexicans was when I went to junior high, and it was mm-hmm. just, it was it was whites and Mexicans, and so I was just amazed at how these young kids were listening to all this old music. Like right. that blew my mind. Like I was at that time, I was still listening to the Beatles and everything mostly, yeah. you know, and then they were listening to oldies. I was like, wow, these mm-hmm. young kids and old. Me- I just tripped me out.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, when would you get into hip hop? How how did that happen? Well, like I said, before, when I was in high school, I started hanging out with some cats from like kind of like Slauson and like La Brea area around there that I had met on the bus coming back from Venice. That kind of closer to my neighborhood, you know, yeah. and they turned me on to all the funk and stuff because hip hop wasn't really happening right. out here yet. You know, sure. I'm old, man. You know, so anyway, we were listening to Rick James and all that stuff. And so I really was getting into black music and right. funk and everything. And then when I went away, and then I went to college and that's when I started DJing. And that's and that's when it happened. I remember right. when I I saw the Rockbox video, but mm-hmm. Run DMC because I was already into rock and yeah. car, like that, like blew my mind. And yeah. then when the Beastie Boys came out, it was like, not that I cared that they were white so much or whatever, but their whole partially because I was a skater, yeah. So their style like appealed to me because the the rap style of all the like suit clothes, i was like that was so like I was wearing dirty shorts right. and thought that was cool. You know, we I mean? were a sure. skater culture. So when the Beastie Boys came out, it was just like, yes, like I'm here, I get it, I can dress like this, this is my whole culture. And then I just like everything else went out the window. Mm-hmm. I was like super hip hop. You know? Yeah it was like I found my I went through a lot of phases you know sure. first I had the long hair then I then I had B-52s you, you cut all the hair off you're like I never went punk rock but I was kind of like you know new wavy and then you know yeah. thrift store clothes
1: and you know uh-huh. ska I was in the ska yeah mm-hmm. what was uh, so was there a moment was a rock box or was there a moment or a record that you were like I'm run the MC rock box I saw the video is, on MTV
2: and I was just like wow just yeah. blew my I mean, I mean first of all like you know those guys were way advanced with their rapping skills compared to what had been coming out. So all of a sudden, you got these guys, like, busting. Like, before it was, like, this party hip dee hop shit, Mm -hmm. and these dudes are, like, busting. It's like a whole new school. Like, you know, and then with the guitar and everything, I was just, I was all in. I was sold.
1: You know what I mean? And then so... Uh, was there a certain point when you decided that that was going to be a career or how did that happen? Oh wow
2: no not at all. In fact it's funny I tell people like I never in my wildest dreams thought I could make a career from hip hop the whole idea was completely unfathomable like the music that your parents hate or whatever like Mm -hmm. you know like come on what? But no I um not at all man I I didn't even have a a dream that I could make a and it's crazy because I was DJing I was a 12 inch buyer I was promoting concerts I was throwing dances at the school I, I was doing all these like things that like if you're like a young guy want to get in the music industry that you would do but yeah. i didn't even i kn- didn't, I didn't know even that. know there were jobs in the right. music industry yeah, i was so fun. my father was an engineer i grew up in Baldwin hills i don't know anything about hollywood or the mm-hmm. music industry i i didn't even I, to be honest i maybe i'm dumb i didn't even like wow people make the records yeah. like, the thought had never even come in my head I yeah and so you know when i got out of school actually a friend of mine uh, who was a photographer we started this little magazine called the la informer there are only two Issues, but we interviewed NWA. And Latifah on her first trip to L.A. Nice. We did some pretty yeah we got these crazy N.W.A. pictures and we and we interviewed N.W.A. It's so crazy they were like, can we take our guns out for the pictures? And we we're like, sure. And they were like, no other press would let us take yeah, the guns out for picture. How amazing is that? Yeah, it mean, wasn't crazy. that early, right. You know, they had already been in like Rolling that's Stone right. and stuff like that, right? Yeah. You know, right, but yeah. no guns, you know. We were like, hell yeah, take them cats out, you know. Right. But uh, yeah, so I did that little magazine and I was DJing. I'd started to like you know get some. I'd met Matt Robinson. And he had started to put me on a little bit. into some mm-hmm. cool I was DJing at clubs with like famous actors and stuff, and I was starting to like because before then I was DJing at the worst shit, you know. And then so and then <laughs> right and then I met this guy. I was working at this little record store called Cranes on Pico. The dude felt bad oh, yeah. for me. He gave me like two hours a week. He, I just hung out there so much. He felt bad. Yeah. And I met this guy from Ariston. I was like, how do you? And he was like, well, we need an intern and. So I got that job at, at Arista. At Arista in L.A. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was super corporate. Yeah. Super. We worked sure. like fifty hour, sixty hour weeks for like a hundred dollars a week. Yeah. Doing like. Wait.
3: So how did that work? Like being in such a corporate environment, coming from like street promotions. <sighs>
2: I hadn't started street promotions yet. That came oh. later, actually. So this yeah. is Arista. Like what, what? I just graduated from college. What was the roster like? Oh, Millie Vanilli. Win? I'm promoting Millie Milli Vanilli. Uh, we had some really bad hip-hop. But we did have, we had three times Dope. They were cool. Oh,
0: yeah. Cruising down the ab with my homeboy, Boo. Laying back like Jack Mello went to the groove. The greatest man alive was cold rock in my world. Then it rock a little harder when you saw this fresh fly here. hold up, I can't go out like a nut. I had to conjure up a cool way to stress. They call me EX, the overlord of fresh. I saw you in the dress and I just had to progress. A compliment came through in the clutch. She started to blush then it knew so, called the next morning, said, what'll it be? Dinner and the movie, you just chillin' with me. She said, me. So I went and got the Slimmy. As soon as I opened the door, she said, give me. It was like I was a bone and she was fletching. She got a cold swallowed, my ones like Phoebe Gretchen. Then after a couple weeks of good love her, my friend. She did the dummy move. Just started asking for forgiveness. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, but but everything else was like, oof. Mm-hmm. Canine posse. Oh, yeah, canine posse. Uh, we got some action, But, but that was... Uh, somebody's brother. Somebody was, was, was... Yeah, it was somebody's brother. It was like mugs and Bobcat Bob or somebody oh, okay. was That's right. signed. But no, canine yeah. posse was like somebody's brother. I forget. Okay. But um, anyway, so... I was calling record stores and just saying, "Hey, do you got Milli Vanillion stock? Uh, if not, here's a poster. You know, yeah. try to put us up on the Billboard charts a little higher." That was before SoundScan and everything, so I was doing retail marketing, right. you know, and um, you know, just learning the business, learning about the business, kind of the politics of the business. At the same time, my DJing thing started to take off, where I was actually doing fly clubs and stuff. And I remember one time I'm at Aristad and I was doing that club Water of the Bush at the time, where I was mm-hmm. more involved as like a I was just part of the thing. I DJ'd a little but I was kind of right. like night manager or yeah. whatever. I was part of the team. that, was, you
1: know, that Ice, was Ice-T involved in Ice-T that? Ice-T was involved in that. Yeah,
2: they were. Yeah. That was like their club, yeah. And so, um, and Violet Brown, who was a big deal, yeah. she bought all the music for the, the warehouse chain. All the black music for the warehouse chain was huge, you know. And so, like, for I worked with the retail side, right? So, she called one day for me. And my boss's boss, because she wanted to get on the list for Wilder Bush, right. freaked the fuck out. Like, why is Violet Brown calling the intern? Yeah. You know, and oh God, these dumb God. motherfuckers sure. didn't even take advantage. They called me in the office. They're kind of like cussing me out. Right, like what? And I said, "Well, yep. she got on the list for the club." And They're like, "Oh wow, you got juice like that out there?" And I was like, "Okay, but they didn't use it." I mean, like, you right. know, I didn't, You know, it's so right. silly. You know, I knew more about hip hop than anybody in, the, in my little pinky. Anybody in the whole building, I had like for sure. zero input into anything. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, I learned. It was That's cool. And then from there I got a job at Delicious Vinyl which okay. was great. I'm working Young MC's album. I go to New York for the first time, New Music Seminar. I meet people like Baby Chris Lighty who's like Jungle Brothers role manager. Um, you know, I'm just... It was great because... I came like a guy from L.A. that was down with all the New York hip-hop cats. So they'd be like, where should we have the third base listening party in L.A.? Where you know, So I, w- I, I was writing for The Source. Mm-hmm. By that time, I was writing to L.A. about what's happening in L.A., mm-hmm. and that really helped me kind of get my juice up in the hip-hop industry, and that's why I'm, like, cool with all these old-school cats. That, you know what I mean? That would still yeah, give sure. me love,
1: you know, yeah. because it was such a small circle back mm-hmm. then. It's interesting. You know, Delicious... Uh, you know, now is a pizza parlor. Right. Right. Um, but. Mike Ross, I want to check. I'm mad. <laughs> There's somebody I'm mad. <laughs> All right. We can talk about that. Right. But, but. Uh, it's okay. But, you know, Delicious is, um, like, it was really the epicenter mm. for, you know, for L.A. hip-hop at at that time, right? Like like you said, you know, they had Tone Logue, they had MC. Young MC. Those were major hit records. I don't know what kind of sales they did, but. Oh, but those huge. were crossover, those were pop records. Oh, yeah,
2: it was some of the first big pop, right? Crossover pop rap, rap records in yeah. existence. Yeah. It was huge for this tiny little label.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Tiny little label, and you know, you came out of there, I think uh, Rifkin.
2: Rifkin got, was upstairs.
1: Okay. He had his own company,
2: but he was totally affiliated with it. Right, him. right, right. He was running a street. In fact, Rifkin was like the first guy to get hired to do street promotions nationally, right. and he hired me to do LA. Yeah. And used to pay me like fifty bucks a record, but he had like the Electra stuff, so it was like Brand Nubian, Pete Rock. It was like yeah. this amazing record. So, yeah, I was kind of mad at Steve because he didn't pay much, but his records were so good. It was <laughs> sure. like, the, and all these you DJs, all these DJs coming to me, they're like, "Dude, I came to your house. I got Cypress Hill's first album. I got, you know, I got Bust. I got Leaders of the New School vinyl from you." Like, we were just sit there at our house smoking massive amounts of ganja and mm. like, you know, like DJs would come by, the booyah trap, mugs you sleep on our couch. That house on Gardner, I lived right across the street from Delicious Vinyl mm-hmm. at the time. was on Gardner right behind Giant Rockets. That was an epicenter of LA Hip Hop. My house was <laughs> way more than Delicious Vinyl. In that, a way, was, that was the Skate Master Tay. Right. Skate Master Tay was my roommate who had been this artist signed to Island and this old school kind of d j skater culture guy who had got into hip hop yeah. and he knew everybody from like Perry Farrell like I said Muggs slept on the couch, Muggs got all the loops from Cypress Hills first album out of Tate's record collection. Tate had an amazing like record collection, you know so mm-hmm. we uh, uh we just you know that house was just like a you know a lot went on there, you know what right. I mean, I was a street promoter. Tate sold things to smoke and was a <laughs> DJ collector and it was just you know it yeah. was it was a really fun time yeah. it, you know like i said you know you know uh, all these cool groups are coming out you know out of LA you yeah. know what i mean yeah
1: yeah and then uh and then so and then you got into management
2: right i um House of Pain was my first artist. They, mm-hmm. um, they came to me and they said, You know, um, Cypress hadn't really blown up yet. They were just bubbling. Okay. they like, No one's really paying attention to us over here. We need our own manager. And I said, Okay. And I shopped their deal. In fact, Matt Jones is one of the people that kind of slept on it. I don't know. It might be sure? Matt. Maybe Matt tried to play it for higher ups, but a lot of labels slept on the House of Pain demo. And it- Motown had, wasn't the place to no, bring but it had jump on. around on it, man. Yeah, I'd like think. any label. But I, you no, know, no, I understand. Motown at that time was like a white rapper; It just didn't make sense. They were like this bougie. I mean, any label. rapper really didn't make sense no. there. But they any, had MC brains, right? Right. But that any was, label should have sung. I mean, come on, yeah, jump arounds sure. on the demo. Mm-hmm. Was, come on, man. That song is still. Yeah. How anybody could listen to that demo and 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 pass on it? And I'm not saying Matt did that, but yeah, but a lot of n r s did. Well, we were talking about that in the car, like the. That um, passing me by was on the far sides demo that a yeah, lot of people slept on for sure. Um, yeah.
1: But that's you know that's what people do right is they sleep on shit until it's uh, I won't even say obvious because those those are obvious, but until someone else is already doing it, mm-hmm. right, 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 right. Somebody like, else validates it, or and that's so, just right, true. Right. I mean, you know, with the electric car, mm. with you know, I'm sure somebody slept on the SUV when mm. someone was like, we're gonna make a, a you know. Just business in general, you're yeah, you Yeah, right. you just you just you know, people are averse to new ideas. Mm, mm. And, you know, in hindsight they become obvious, right? Mm. Or, you know, if you're if you're in it, you kinda gotta be in it yeah. to get it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Now I, I, why the is run by a bunch of people that aren't in it deep enough to get it, like that's a different issue. Right. Um but so uh so I know you know the management thing went really well and you you talked about some of the artists.
2: Well, I made a lot of people a lot of money. I won't say it really went really well. For me, I mean the, the end result if you want to judge it on how much money I made. I mean, I, well, I let's talk about that. So, okay. first of all, before we do that, yeah, yeah. um what was the first big paycheck? Uh Farside Publishing deal. Okay. Went to Crenshaw Ford and got me a SUV. Got a Ford Explorer. That's what I want to know. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. exactly what I did. Nice. Uh, yeah, that was my first check. Uh, Jody Gersh, Steve Prudom, Steve O uh-huh. made it happen. He was in the tape room. Yeah,
1: and when, he, was- and when he
2: got elevated, Big John came in the tape
1: room, who yeah. now is like, yeah, he's like the whew, president or John, give me a job. Of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve O so, was one of the first dudes to pay me any attention.
2: Good dude, great guy. Yeah, great guy. And you know, from Compton DJ, you know, I mean, like to me, you know, the the, the real guys that pull themselves up from those kind of things typically are like the realer mm-hmm. folks, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, people you can come from anywhere, that's not what it's about, but yeah. you know
0: now in my younger days I used to pour the bag when I went to school i every night in the bag with the apple for my teaching, cause I knew I get a kiss. Always got mad when the class was dismissed. But when it was a session, I always had a question. I would raise my hand to make the snack or my chest. Can help me with my
3: problem, it was never much. Just a trick the fell as thin. I try to sneak a touch.
1: I get it, so, but you know records are selling, yeah you know i again, you know, I remember um you know i you know my perspective yeah. was uh you know p m p was this huge thing, right, and you Very know it managed, and you had uh you know, and the parties were legendary, right. You know, right. every, you're, well, happy, I, you're I, happy to get an invite to a Paul party. Right.
2: And some people are still mad at me because I didn't invite them
1: to certain parties. Yeah, of course. They're pissed of course. off. You, you know
2: what? One, one thing I wanted to say, the thought you brought up earlier, is you, one of the keys to my successes, I think, was that I got down differently than other people. Like, I thought the parties were important. You know yeah. what I mean? And like I under, Or maybe I understand the importance yeah. of things like that, maybe mm-hmm. I should say. You know what I mean? And like, I do some of my best networking, like running the streets at night and connecting right. people and everything, you know? But,
1: but you're not alone in that, right? Like Russell started as a party promoter oh yeah yeah you yeah. know oh yeah a lot of uh, people yeah, patrick yeah. moxie told me that oh, early yeah. on yeah yeah you know in his career yeah you know patrick is now the king of dance music with ultra right what Ultra Records. but yeah but you know two decades ago he, you know he had empire Yeah, he was gang stars and he had manager. empire was a party in, right. in new york right? right and he was the one that put me up on no guest list mm. and he said you know russell would come through with models and he would see you know Somebody else paying to get in, and then Russell would pay to get in, mm. and, you know, Heidi Klum pays to get in right. and all that. Yeah, L.A. is weird. I don't think LA, L.A. people would pay. It was a we- It's a weird market.
0: Yeah, like, for fine. me, well,
2: for me anyway, like, I have guys that are still friends of mine that are making money doing clubs and all right. that. You know, they went that route. I used it for politics, yeah, so sure. I never wanted to charge anybody. You for know, sure. it was like, hey, Rosie Perez and Queen Latifah are at my club, and, like, right. you know, this gives me juice and da-da-da-da. So I was more like that, and then connecting people and stuff. Right. I never really made the money. I wasn't a very good. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Now Mike Karen, when I did a, a club with him on a brief period, I made more money.
1: Well, that's what I was His say.
2: little like uh, 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 junior or Cohen ass, you know, uh, uh, when he wasn't even old enough to get in the club. That's right. You know, uh, I did my uh, first
1: party with Mike, and he was he couldn't he wasn't supposed to be there.
2: And you were part. And well, I'm I talking about the party that you were yeah, partner yeah. with too. You're yeah, not, was, You're talking about
1: something else, right? Yeah. Before yeah, that, we right, did right, a party right. Together. But we
2: were all partners in that party, and there were right. nine of us, and I made more money doing that. Split nine ways. Yeah. Than i had made
1: yeah but you yeah know. and that was mike's idea i remember that and and it was really down to the genius fact that
2: business genius right
1: well it was down to the fact that a you know this takes some work mm. we probably could have put a little more work into it made it last longer mm. but separate story but you right. know it takes some work and we're not gonna make any money doing it and i also think you know people appreciate what they pay for mm. right and and again you know this is a town where everybody likes to feel VIP. Sure. But if you saw We let some people in free. We let some people in free, but it was a lot, you a know, lot the first week everybody got in free. Right. And then and after then, that everybody paid. And more. then most yeah. people paid and yeah, we yeah. kept it on the low yeah, of who yeah. who didn't pay. All
2: I know is that Destiny's child paid us to perform to do a listening party in our downstairs and on the flyer it says Destiny's Children. Oh, yeah. I got it. You
3: talked about that.
2: I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean sure. Buster Rhymes EPMD performed for free. I mean, that's a case yep. of if you Cyprus create paid. something amazing, mm-hmm. people will come to, you know what I mean? Yep. It was it was but it was also timing too. I mean, you know, maybe we need that again right now. I don't know, but at that time there was nowhere for people to perform. Right. So it was just kind of like we had the hot
1: thing and yeah. people just, you know, they needed it. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So 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 I want to say you know, uh, so from the outside perspective, you know, yeah. you were huge and what you were doing right. was huge. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that, you know, you always, uh, came off as real humble Thank you. to me and, and, Thank you know, you. I, I don't think I fully grasped that, but, but I, you know, I would have conversations and your name would just come up constantly. Mm. And, um, there was some people, I wouldn't say hating, but just kind of like you know, yeah, sure. like maybe they didn't get into the party or right. they like, if you, you know, don't, you're not feeling maybe entitled to a piece of your success. You're not on if you ain't got haters. What's the new
2: song? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, For like, sure. come on,
1: if you don't, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think there was some of that. Um, I noticed, you know, I was in my own career path and, you know, people, Steve Rifkin, mm-hmm. you know, told me I'm the next Paul Stewart. Mm. And, you know, and I, I don't think, first of all, I didn't, I mean, I took it as a compliment, but I didn't understand what it meant. Mm. Um other than, you know, uh white guy managing rappers, right? Like smart white guy managing um, rappers and you know, yeah, yeah. Devilishly handsome. Like that. <laughs> you know, what I mean I didn't know uh <laughs> I love Josh. <laughs> uh I didn't know how to how to really take that. Or, or like I didn't understand mm-hmm. what it meant and I and I do you know, but um where was I going with that? But so uh you know, it felt to me like you're you know you're on top of the world, mm. right? The big parties, the big house. Sure.
2: You oh, know. I spent ten grand on a birthday party. Every yeah, day. I did silly stuff for sure. Yeah, um, you know what's funny? Um, I was really fortunate, you know, and I, I had a lot of success, and I and I made some good money, and. Um, you know, I never wanted to, I, I, you know, I just, I don't think that makes me a better person. You know right. I mean? The guy that's out in helping poor people are right, a better person than me. You know what I mean? So it's for like, sure. you know, like for me to have a big ego because I discovered some rappers or something like, come on, you know, like yeah. I, I I guess I was raised better than that. You know, mm-hmm. thank you to my parents. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah you know, I just, I love, you know, I really respect humility. Yeah. And so I try, you know, my best, you know, to be that, you know, and, uh, you know, my career's had a lot of ups and downs too.
1: So, you know, that's well,
2: that's humbled me greatly. You know what I mean? So talk about that. So,
1: yeah. so you go from having, you know, yeah. dominating the charts, right? right at least right. from the West Coast. Sure. Um and then that that stopped. Yeah. So dried up. What happened?
2: <laughs> uh man, I lost the golden touch, I guess. I don't know. You know, um I, partially I got burnt because I was making all these people famous like we're talking about you know I'm discovering all these artists but I'm not really benefiting like I was with Coolio for five years he was a great client when I met him he lived in Nickerson Garden Projects in Watson he fired me a month after he won a Grammy you know to hire his wife to replace me, so mm-hmm. and he was my best client you know last five years, so you know I, mean, right. I that was a good one, but you know so I got tired of that scenario yeah. of making people rich and famous, and I'm not getting my just due sure. so I kind of you know, and the music supervision thing was uh, much more civilized in some regards, you know what I mean, and I don't know you know i I also think too that you know maybe I fell victim a little bit to like getting out of the things that made me find all the artists to begin with. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I was in the streets, you know what I mean? And then after a while, it's like, like, I I look back on a couple of the artists that I signed on my last label deal with Loud after the Def Jam deal. And it was kind of like, you know, when I signed Montel Jordan, all my homies were like, this dude's a buster. This shit is whack. You know what I mean? It wasn't the kind of shit that we liked. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then it was so big, I guess I kind of, like, I felt like then I was, like, trying to make things. Well, and, of tra- Faker,
1: and your name was in the song. Like, oh, he was called nice. you out yeah, that was nice. <laughs> in the song. Right.
2: Like- <laughs> right. But, but, but my point was being, like, you know, instead of, like, trying to go find something, like, the far side that's really dope or whatever, like, well, I can just take this good-looking guy and we make some hip-hop beats and we'll write some songs. for You know, I kind of got, I don't know, just, like— right. Thinking I was a star maker or something that I could just, you know, instead of before I just found people that were dope, understood they were dope. And that was my thing, you know. So maybe I got caught up in that a little bit. You know, obviously the industry changed. I think I probably had some dope artists that got slept on because, you know, we weren't sound scanning or BDSing or whatever, too, when when the industry changed to that. Because before, it was just Mm -hmm. like, listen to my demo. It's Mm -hmm. great. Sign me, you know. So when that changed, you know, I kind of wasn't really ready for that change. You know what I mean? So I moved more into music supervision and did other things and just kind of got out of that space. You know, Mm -hmm. and like I said, I had been burned Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, I, I... you know josh i've you know i do a lot of things i yeah. just cast a music video for mm-hmm. george clinton ice cube and kendrick lamar you know uh, nice. you know i'm i'm thrilled to be music supervising two amazing shows right now john singleton's uh, snowfall on fx and insecure at hbo mm-hmm. and um another really cool show uh, Born Again Virgins on TV once so I'm doing three TV shows as a music supervisor right now so I'm, I'm really you know I'm I'm, uh, I'm doing great stuff and uh, you know I think I might get back into discovering artists soon I, I found a really talented r and singer named Greg Hine that I'm working with that I just love and-
3: Touching
0: all over your body It's the only thing that's on my mind and I can't even say I'm sorry, if I get I would I don't want to take you out on a date, and I don't want to kick you with your friends. I'm just trying to meet you up at your can and get nasty while you're screaming my neck.
2: You know, yeah, you know, for me, it's just about if I find somebody I think is amazing, you know, but I think part of it was that I wasn't in the places to find the amazing people mm-hmm. anymore. I, sure. I I stopped
1: being in the streets mm-hmm. as much as I was. Yeah, you're you hanging know? out with models and yeah.
2: I'm in Studio City yeah. in the house right. with a stream going down. I got you know.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's one of the things. now I'm in Crenshaw, so you know, right. I'm back. Yeah, I got, I got my whole. No, nah, I think that's back. one of the interesting <laughs> things. Right, is that, um, you know, your your success is success is a double edged sword. Mm-hmm right and mm. you know i think like i said i've always seen you as as you know as humble and and mm. connected but even then it's hard to fight the trappings that come with success sure right you know the phone starts ringing you know interesting people start showing up at your door mm-hmm. uh you know the bottles get bigger and the right. you know whatever right yeah i wish i could have handled some stuff differently
2: but mostly it was more that I didn't take advantage. I feel of some of the opportunities that were there for me when my shit was so on fire. And then some of the people that I chose to put on, like excluding you, I regret. Like a lot of the people that I helped out. Because then when they came up, and then when my thing was falling down, they were like, yeah, whatever. We don't remember that you put us on. You know, it was a lot of that. You know, I was like, wow. You know, Um, I'm not used to this. I'm not built like this. I look out for my people. What's this about? You know what I mean? But um, so... Yeah, did you? I mean, were there? Were there? Uh... Oh, I could have been. I could be real bitter right now. I mean, there were so many people that that I helped out that you know didn't do nothing for me when when I needed it. So so? What's speak, the, you know? so
1: give me the inner game when okay. that's
2: happening. Well, how does it make you feel? Yeah. You know, I was talking to my artist Greg the other day, and we were cussing out these ANRs because we hate ANRs, you know. And I was telling him, man, like you know, like save all that negative energy, man. Like don't you know what I mean? And everything, and like you know, basically, I said, you know, when I was at when Def Jam was suing me, and it was the most like you know screwed up thing to happen to a little guy who's nothing but a good guy, you know, right. getting screwed sure. by the big guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just this horrible thing. I remember one time Lior was just screaming at me at the top of my, line, I'm going to ruin you or some shit or whatever. And I remember I hung up the phone. And I was like, you know what? I feel sorry for these people. You know what I mean? Like they're so mm-hmm. miserable. Like right. yeah. this guy's so rich. Why does he want to hurt right. me? You know what right. I mean? Like yeah. why? You know like. And, you know, they thought I was unloyal, which I understand. I loyalty, man. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, and, I, and I'm and i not trying to say I didn't make any mistakes that I was perfect or anything in the situation. But I don't mm-hmm. think I deserved the way it went down, you know. And so I just, I just had to, like, that was how I kind of dealt with, like, you know what? I didn't get everything I deserved. But you know what? I could hold my head high. People like me. I don't need no security to run around town like right. all these other guys. I'm not getting extorted. You know right. what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, it like, you know, I mean, it's like yeah. I can still come back. I still got my talents and my skills. Right. I'm not some bitter person. Even if I do, I'm not going to be trying to shit on other people. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you just got to. And, and look, those hard knocks, man, it, it built character. Yeah. I mean, you said I was humble before. Man, you think I was humble before, man. You know what I mean? Like, you know, all those ups and downs build character. And I think they show you what's important, you know what I mean? Like, man, like I don't want to get all deep in here, but you know the last times I talked to Mike Karen, we're sitting in his studio was when Chris Lighty passed, you know. Everyone's calling everybody and all like, oh my God, and what's really important, let's talk to our friends and you know, a week later we forgot it all. But you know, for that moment everyone's like, Oh my God, and what's important and you know, let's talk to people we knew from before and like make sure they're okay and this kind of a thing, you know what I mean? And so you know, and then the crazy thing with Shakir Stewart and everything. Like, So when mm-hmm. these kind of things happen, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, man, I really wish I had had some of that success these other people had or whatever. But, you know, let's be happy what we got. Let's appreciate what we have. Let's, you know, yeah. at, there's more to life, you know. Um I'm so motivated to do creative things, and I want to have the financial freedom to do whatever I want. But you know, I I can't. Some people sacrifice more than I'm willing to. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, I work like an insane person. You know what I mean? But you know, I have to have another life. I can't. You know, I'll never get anywhere by stabbing people in the back. This is not my thing. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I got to do it my way. You know what I mean? And so, uh, uh I feel great about what I'm doing, and, and I'm on a roll right now. I'm booking all these great shows. I. I have interest from a a very prominent investor in the book company and so you know I'm like you know and you know man I I've, <laughs> I've been plugging at that and trying for to sure. get that for quite a while and yeah. so yeah man I I feel great you know um um just really happy to you know be able to work on creative stuff and work for myself
1: yeah you know yeah that's dope yeah. um just to go back to something you said you know you mentioned putting me on so as I was getting mm. started in management you know I think I had one de- I had one deal signed okay and um And you called me and said, you know, some of like, I might have an artist for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, and you basically gave me Dub C. Right. To manage. Right. um, Who had been, you know, he wasn't huge at the time, but he was a legend on the West Coast. He had been a hero of mine. Right. I didn't know that he was about to do West Side Connection. In fact, I think they were just starting to talk about Mm -hmm. it. I don't think it was a done deal. Right, right. Um, And you basically handed him over to me because uh, of some crazy shit he did. Yeah, we had a little incident with Dub, and
2: you know, um, I love Dub, man. And you know, um, what happened is my roommate, who was a music producer who had produced Gangster's Paradise, we were at my house, and Dub came for a photo shoot, and Dub had his unreleased album. And you know, at that time, it was just really like, you know, this is my unreleased album, nobody can have it, you mm-hmm. know, pre internet yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff, too. So, but yeah, you're really, worried about leaks, and right? Right? That. Right? And, um, so, my roommate Doug was like, hey, play it in my tape deck. We can bump it more through the house. Unbeknownst to anybody, when, when Doug put it in his tape deck, tapes from my tape he had a dual tape deck and he duped it when he played it.
3: Going yeah.
0: up the you. Yeah. Going mm. up, the we'll up. Mm. up the you out there. I got my
2: motherfucking home, right in the house. My nigga, Ice nigga. Oh, shit. Right. And then the, you didn't know this? And then the next day. I, you I forgot. forgot. And then the next day, it was a two day photo shoot. And then the next day, he pulls up, bumping the thing. I'm at the office. Dub C hears Doug pull up, bumping his unreleased album. He's at my house doing a photo shoot. He shuts the photo shoot down. Comes to my office with a lug wrench in his hand, a huge lug wrench, has crazy tune, stands outside my door and starts breaking shit with the lug wrench and screaming at me, you know.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about you when I was watching <laughs> yeah. that scene in Straight Out of Compton. Oh, oh, with the Brian with, Turner? With yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah,
1: yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um,.
2: And the crazy thing was, I had no idea what he was upset about. I mean, for me, it's like Tuesday morning. I'm just sitting here like everything's normal. And now all of a sudden, my homie, Dub, is in my office with a lug wrench, like breaking shit. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, um, we resolved it, obviously, um, without anybody getting hurt or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, in fact, that was probably, like I said, I've had... I never had problems like that with artists. Right. You know, that was one of the were the few, the only really kind of thing like for that. Sure. And you know, after the next day, Dub was really sorry and he apologized and he he said, you know, I want to still work with you and everything. And you know, I was a little, I was a little shook or whatever from it. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. But you know, I got this great guy for you and uh, Josh Levine. You know, yeah. he's, he's great. He's like well, a junior version cool of me. me. What I it worked out cool for me. Yeah, and 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 look, you were the only guy that I could refer him to. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, there was nobody else that could do a good job. That you know what I mean. There weren't any people in that place. You know, like I said, there's such a lack of good talent representation in this industry, in the hip hop business, and you yeah. know, especially you know, yeah. so yeah, you know, and it, it, it's great, man. You've returned the favor tenfold. Well, that was fold, a big so. deal for me. It was yeah, a huge, you know, yeah. that
1: was probably my biggest success, you know, as a manager. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's funny, I, at the time, I'm No, like, but wait, can I just say something? Josh is such a G because you know I told him the story.
2: You yeah. know, right? Of course, he knew what happened. He took on WC anyway. And Dub's a great guy, you know what I mean? And so we had always been friends before. We're still friends, you right. know what I mean? And so uh, uh, we never stopped being friends. You know, I just... I think I felt I didn't you know yeah, I, I didn't it. need to manage them. I had so right. many clients at that point. Like, well, that's the thing. I right. mean, I was managing Coolio and the Far Side and Lighter sure. Shader Brown. I had a bunch of guys that were making me a lot more money than him. Yeah, you know, and I, I didn't uh, uh, I didn't feel like I needed anything that was a headache.
1: That no, that's like, understandable, right? Right. You know, for but me, I give you so much props for for, for not being scared. You know, I'm, I'm sure like you, like like it didn't occur to me to be scared, right? And that's gotten me. a lot of what I've gotten in life is just not realizing that I was supposed to be scared in that moment (laughs) Um, and we you know it's funny at the time I mean I was just I was like I said I was pretty much just starting out I was living with my grandparents right and I was working you know they had a they had a three-bedroom house, and they gave me two bedrooms. I lived in one, and the other was my office. Mm. I bought like a real desk, and I like set it up as my office. And right. I had artists coming through, right, right. You know, and uh, that work-from-home thing was, you know, that's not new. That's not a like internet phenomenon. Like we've been right. doing that sure forever. And and him and Tunes came over. And we like, worked out a deal in 10 minutes, you know, we, we had met before I had interviewed right. him for, right. for, for oh, a, when you were for an article, oh, right, right. uh, yeah, yeah. I wrote the herb piece on, on, on the curb serving record. Mm. And, um, so we, you know, we knew each other not well, but we had met a little bit, but I was a fan, right. you know, from, from right. pay I'm dues. I'm sure he appreciated that and from pay dues. Like sure. I loved, you know, everything that he was about yeah. and, um, but I had it but but we did have a conversation. I said, Look, I I know what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here with my grandparents. Like, you know I can't have that here. Well I was like, Yeah, I'll do yeah, everything yeah. I can for you. Yeah, yeah. Like you just you gotta see? tell me that that's not coming to my grandparents' house. Right. And he was like, Yeah, that, you know, it was a one time thing, I'm yeah. done. Like Yeah, he's not I get that it. gonna do it. Yeah, right. yeah, Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean there was definitely artists that I might have been scared of, you know, I had you know, that were just wild. Uh, you know, but like I said, then you know, Dub C like, was a professional, oh, like, yeah, all day, yeah, you know no, what I mean? No, like, it, we never had a moment where I had to, like,
2: I, I, I was, I was, con, uh, what's the word? Um, like, I was, um, I couldn't decide if yeah, I was, I get it, con, conflicted. I was conflicted, thank you, if because uh, I was gonna keep him, right? You know what I mean? Because it was, you know. I didn't think he would ever do anything like that again yeah, or anything, sure. but, you know.
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad you didn't. Yeah, no, no, you
2: know, <laughs> it, 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 it was great. You know, I was I was a fan of yours, and um, it, it was nice to be able to, you know, do something for somebody that appreciated it. You know what I mean? And you probably did a much better job with his career than we would have been able to do because we were, oh, y- no. you know, you were able to focus on it more when we had bigger right. clients. And yeah, we were just sure. kind of like, but, you know, the crazy thing is Dub knew me forever because, right. you know, when Muggs and Aladdin were roommates... Uh, when Muggs was forming Cypress Hill, I lived in these little ghetto apartments in the same complex that Muggs lived in, and like Prince Whipper Whip lived in there. Oh it wow! Was, um, Kings Normandy and Sunset. It was hood over there. Yeah, and it, it was, was like strippers, heavy metalers, and rappers in that building. It was mm-hmm. like crazy. But um, so I knew Dub from then because that's when Low Profile was happening. Right. And I knew Doug Young as manager. I know you know it was a really small circle. Mm-hmm. And then when Coolio, when I started working for when Coolio decided he wanted me to manage him, that's when I worked for Street Knowledge for Ice Cube and dub was ice cube's hype man right. so he would always come to street knowledge he'd see me there that's how i met coolio coolio was dub's hype man for right. his shows and then you know coolio was like you're my manager you know so i had this dub had seen me come up from like a young kid to like all like you know what i mean so he yeah. was kind of always like i think i need this dude on my team but it was mm-hmm. kind of a conflict cuz i was coolio's man it was almost
1: like you know sure.
2: they were boys but it was kind of like maybe i need my own you know type of thing or something mm-hmm. you know Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that, like, um, I always try to explain to people that, you know, back then, you know, it was a really small community. Right. And, you know, everybody kind of knew everybody. Like, people always ask me, like, oh, how do you know, you know, so-and-so? I was sure. like, well, just because he was there. We were right. both there. Right. And you were there every night. You know what I mean? And and I felt like at that time, uh, we just assumed that, like, this thing was going to get... Bigger and bigger forever, right? That's why I bought the house in Studio City
2: with the stream going on it that I had to sell five years later because my income dropped. Yeah, <laughs> right, like that right, right. But also,
1: just I just mean that but like that's because I was silly. <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah. but that's a, that's a totally normal reaction. It right. may be the wrong one, right. but it's totally right. understandable. Right, right. No, but I guess I'm saying that like, you know, if I don't know if that I don't feel like that still exists in the music business, mm. like this sense of like. There's no stopping us, right? Right. You know, you're seeing. I mean, we were watching Puffy real time become Puffy. Right. I saw him passing From, out flyers exactly at, at the at the Jack the rapper. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. And you know, not everyone was that big, but that but that no, was like right. a that was like a thing that could actually happen.
2: I mean, I remember Dame Dash came to L. A. and was like, my shit was popping, and he was right. like trying to get on and everything. So when yeah. he popped, he was always kind of like, yeah. I remember you were doing it. You know what right. I mean? Gave me a little love,
1: you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that just seemed, I, you know, I wonder where that exists today. Tech, I don't feel like in it the happened. Tech world? In, maybe in the tech world. I just read an article about these kids that are, like, dropping out of high school, moving into these apartments, mm. living, like, six on a floor, and just coding,
3: mm-hmm. you
1: know, nonstop, you know, because they think they're going to be the next tech billionaire. Well, well, you know, I think there's a, I, I don't, you know, I think there's a
2: really exciting thing going on in the music industry right now because you know the kind of like you don't have to sign to a major label anymore, right, mm-hmm. and all that, and you can really like, you know, some of the monopolies that the majors control are gone. Like if you make a great record and you know what I mean, and it's yeah. really great, that thing can be on the radio, take off. You know, look at Fetty Wap, yeah, like. Ugh. If that doesn't inspire you, come on, man. That dude came out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, yeah. the record was just so good. People just liked it. So, I mean, this is my opinion anyway. That people liked it so much. It was just undeniable. It's not like he It wasn't because of his amazing video. <laughs> sure wasn't his amazing video. Sure. You know what I mean? It wasn't, like, you know. So yeah. I just think, you know, it's a good time in music. And, and, and I'm actually really excited about all the music that's coming out right now. And... um that's going on and and some of the changes in the music industry like yeah no the way it was before you know we do get this big check from the major and you know and that's whole kind of change for the Mm -hmm. most part but i do think um it's a more exciting time because you know creatively you can do what you want as a lot of these independent artists have their own little niche they might not be huge but they can make a living doing their art and do what they want yeah and then if they're really good it'll grow and maybe it'll pop maybe they'll have that record and they'll pop you never know you know what i mean so um I like what happened in the music industry because, you know, I I hate major labels and their whole philosophy and their attitude and the way they do business and the way they treat artists and their approach and everything. And so I'd love to see them all gone if possible. You know what I mean? So I think that the changes have been, you know, while it's been hard on the industry and that there's not as much of the money flowing and stuff because people don't buy music anymore. It's changed the game and kind of opened it up for some artists and things like that.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. You know, as you're going through this sort of, uh, you know, I would call it a reinvention, but it, you know, it seems like to some extent an evolution, right? Like, okay. you know, I know you mentioned you're you're doing work with John Singleton now, right? You know, you worked with him, you know, twenty years ago, way back,
2: whenever, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, so, was there like how conscious was that process? How conscious were you in that process? That like, okay, I'm I'm switching lanes. Well, you know. Uh, I went through some fairly lean years. I mean, I never stopped
2: sure. music. You know, I was bugging you for marketing work and stuff. You know, I I I I never stopped music supervising, but sometimes I wasn't making that much money doing it, and right. I had to do other hustles and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, it was a, it was some time. You know, last couple years up until more recently, where I was trying to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just like what can I do to make it stick? You know, I was getting a little frustrated at some points because I felt like I have so much talent and I've done all this great stuff and, you know, where are the opportunities? I'm willing to work hard, Where you know, where are the opportunities? What can I do? You know, because it's also a guy like me at my age is kind of like, what are you, you going to do now? Right. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, And, like, it, I remember, like, when 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 Sean Karazov passed away, uh, a lot of people were saying, you know, guys like him, their skill set is no longer needed. Some of the people in the music industry, ah, or are they... <laughs> or they feel it's yeah, no longer needed. For sure. The industry feels it's no Let's not say it's actually not longer but the industry has decided they don't need it anymore, which is one of the reasons they're not doing as well as they were, I think. You know what yeah. I mean? So, you know, it, it can be hard. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since I was a kid. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to make a living. And I wasn't like this cutthroat smart business guy. I just mm-hmm. happened to be talented and hardworking and smart enough to kind of pick up on my mistakes as I went. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's definitely been an evolution for me, you know. And, and basically it was just like I, I credit the success I'm having right now to just like, you know, uh, uh, man, RIP to my dad and that hard work aesthetic mm-hmm. ethic that he installed in me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, just grinding like because there have been a lot of times where it's just like, you know, things aren't happening for me and I get frustrated. So all I can do is just work and try to create new opportunities. And sometimes those You know, those little things don't happen for a long time, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But, you know, I'm setting these little traps and all around, and eventually sometimes Mm -hmm. they pay off, you know, Mm -hmm. down the road and stuff. And so, you know, it's—and, you know, for me, you know, I'm like—I'm just like a big kid. I've never been very responsible with my money. You know, luckily I'm good at making it, you know what I mean, and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm not—I'm not not that person, you know, and so uh, I have to be good at making a lot of money (laughs) because (laughs) I'm going to run through
1: it. That's right. Right, and have fun doing it, but, you know, yeah, yeah, so. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, was there ever a time when you when you just were like ready to give up? Yeah, I mean, a couple. You know, I would say like kind of my current like
2: run of having more success has kind of started in the last year or so, and in a couple years prior to that, I mean, I would I, – but, but but what can I do though?
3: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, go work at Amoeba or something. I mean, yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like what yeah. what's giving up for me? Yeah. Like what kind of what can I do? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. You know, I took a job at Puma doing music marketing, which was cool i you know you know so I've done some like marketing kind of thing that was really corporate for me, you know, and was tough uh but you know i but even even no, I get it, I mean, but who's gonna hire? like you know they look at me, you're old, you know there's these young kids, you know what I mean it's like you know I'm pretty you know tech savvy but still you know what I mean it's just like you know certain so i I don't know you know. I don't know. how I don't feel very employable. All I can do is keep hustling and come up with new kind of like creative, you know right. what I mean, things and hope that you know. Uh, I, you know what's really great is like you know this this HBO thing I'm doing is just such an amazing thing, man. It's with this woman Issa Rae who uh, had this web series, "A uh, Misadventures of an Awkward Black Girl," and mm-hmm. so she created her own platform. You know, you know like you know, there's so little quality. Like work for black actresses out there, you know what I mean, and 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 so you know she just creates her own platform, and you know does several of these until several web series until one hits, and she's at HBO with it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, and so yeah. you know I'm fortunate enough to meet her because my friend is the showrunner on the show, and it's like my whole life has prepared me now I'm ready, you know like I meet right. with the HBO and like great, we oh you've done all this you're great, you know what I mean I meet with her like wow you've done all this you know what I mean and it's like you know so it's like so it's kind of. Some of the stuff, also, too, some of the things I did are coming, are more in vogue now than sure. they were shortly after I did them. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, the far side, wow, that's really cool. You know what I mean? Like, some of the things that I did were really cool at the time, and then a after, it's like, well, you don't got anything on the chart this week. And now there's all this, there's a little bit more nostalgia for some some of that era stuff. And of right. course, I'm still doing, yeah, you know, sure. new current, you know, like, oh, like she was really impressed I had done Dear White People, you know, which was, was mm-hmm. great. And we had no money uh, for the music. And so she was really impressed with that. And so, you know, so it was. It was great, you know. So, you know, sometimes the good guys get lucky. You know, we, we keep grinding, and, and 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 the good stuff we did kind of pays off. You know. Yeah.
1: So, what about? Uh, I think you know we did a we did a project together for um, for Puffy that that cologne. Sean yeah, right. Sean John cologne, right. I'm sure it smelled great. Uh, Smell like Puffy, right? <laughs> That's what that was the tagline. No, it was cool, but. Um, <laughs> But you said something to me, you know, just at that time we were talking, and you said, you know, that you felt like your lane, what you were really good at and, and what you enjoyed was being around creative people and helping them mm. do what they do. What they do. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought that was a really great sort of insight into mm. yourself. And, I, you know, I don't know that that's, I mean, it kind of sounds obvious in retrospect. But I think when you're in it, sometimes that's harder to see. It's like, I make records or I make hits or I turn, you know, I make stars or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. People tell themselves Mm -hmm. about who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, how is that, uh, you know, kind of realizing that then, like, how does that affect your decisions going forward? Because then, like I said, you were at Puma. Right. Which I think on the surface... Sounds great. It's a dope job. Right. You know, music marketing for, sure. you know, a cool shoe brand. Like, yeah. that's a good job. Um, but, but that's very different than, you know, what you describe as your passion. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I
2: figured out, and it took me a long time to figure it out, what I enjoy, one of the things I enjoy most in life is helping creative people reach their vision, right? So, you know, now that I have the book company, you know, like, I'm meeting artists, painters. Oh, we could do a book of your work. Like, oh yeah. my God, a book of my work. It's their mind's blown they're so happy you know that makes me feel amazing you know what i mean so it's like you know, the same way I could meet a talented artist. Oh, wow, you're great. Hey, I could put you in a studio here. I got this producer, whatever. You know what I mean? So just kind of helping creative people reach their, their goals or their visions is like really rewarding. Like, you know, I want to make a lot of money doing it, but the reward that the feeling that you get from that is pretty priceless. You know yeah. what I mean? And so and it's just it's, it's just that's what I enjoy doing, you know, and I'm, I'm good at it. You know what I mean? It's like I walk in this world in between the creative and the business. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not either. In a mm-hmm. weird way. Like, you know, I'm not the super duper. I'm no Mike Karen. You know what I mean? I wasn't in high school, like setting up things where, people, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, my brain doesn't work like that. But, I, but, you know, but I'm more business than all the artists that I do, the sure. non-business people. So I'm like in the middle and I understand where they're coming from, understand where the are business people. So I kind of help. I can help mix those worlds, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, you know, whatever kind of creative uh, thing they do, you know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, that's really rewarding, and and that's what I want to be doing. And, you know, with the book company, we did a – there was a thing like there was a a teacher that uh, teaches at Crenshaw – Uh, Art department, art school, but she teaches art at Crenshaw High. And so, uh, one thing that we're working on is to try to do a book of the students' artwork and have them just make it for them so they could sell it to raise money for the department. You know what I mean? So, you know, really want to try to give back. Um, I mean, I've made a living off of working with talented people out of inner cities. Basically, You know what I mean? So, like, I, I want to give back. I also just think that's where all the talent comes from. It always come, you know, like, you know, yeah. you're hungrier. You know what I mean? Like, I, have this, I used to work with this really talented artist from Beverly Hills, you know. He never really made it. I mean, he didn't have really? the hunger, I don't think. He was so talented, you know what I mean? But it's like, you know, yeah. all the creativity to me always comes from the streets because, it's like, you have less to work with. You're forced to be creative, you know. Ingenuity, the resource, whatever that expression is, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... You know, I want to give back. I want to be involved. It's what I enjoy, you know, and and hopefully, you know, I'll be able to make some people really rich doing it. And in the process, I'll I'll be able to reach my financial goals, you know, Mm -hmm. on my terms and without, you know, stabbing people.
1: Have you had mentors that have that have helped you along the way? tons um but
2: a lack of like one great one too i didn't have yeah. that like a lot of people had that like you know what i mean like yeah. i learned a lot from a lot of different people i learned a lot from lear cohen before he got mad at me um what was a what's what stands out as some me And he was more his uh, uh, approach it was just more of that like bull like i'm not stopping yeah. like you know you know what I mean? Like I hadn't quite been, I, you know, Dolores Robinson, uh, Matt Robinson's mom. When I worked with Matt, we shared office with her and she was managing like Wesley Snipes and stuff like that. And you know, a black woman in Hollywood, she was cussing motherfuckers out. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't <laughs> not taking no shit. You know, she yeah. had to be. I feel like that. And, you know, but just seeing her interact with people and like the Hollywood thing, like her, you know, like I said, Lior, Matt Robinson in a different way because he was so creative and and, and and and, you know, like that. He, in fact, and Matt gave me my first, I feel like really gave me my first break because he helped me start DJing. He he hired me to DJ at some clubs where, like, you know, they were, like, important industry people, so labs and everything, and that helped me get to know people and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. one time Tate didn't show up, and he hired me is what happened, you know. That's funny. And, um, you know, so from him, and then Orlando again gave me my first job at Delicious Finals, so I'm forever in his debt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, You know, that was my first actual job. You know, so, you know, the guy at Arista, Dean Porter, who was my boss, you know, I I just picked up from people along the way. You know, uh, I wish I had had that, like, you know, uh, just amazing one. Maybe that could have because I made so many mistakes. You know what I mean? Tony Abner, my my, my, uh, Mm -hmm. first attorney, you know, my second attorney after I lost my first client because I didn't have the contract signed, you know, taught me so much. You know what I mean? And so, you know, um, yeah, but I want to be that for other people. You know, so so yeah, young so people hit me up, you know, I, 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 my last, one of my last interns just got hired at Universal to do what we do in reverse, where we call him as music supervisors to ask for quotes and he gives us the quotes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's got a career, you know, he worked very hard. I put him through the fire, but you know, now he's got a great job, benefits, Well, career, you put a lot of you know. people in the game. Oh yes, quite a Absolutely.
1: few. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I so, pretty and pretty when, good. when someone comes to you, you know, a student or young person, yeah. like what's the, you know, what's the knowledge you drop on it? Well, hopefully whatever they need,
2: you know, I mean, cause every, you know, where, are they, what are they trying to do or, you know, but I mean, I just try to share my experiences and you know, like I said that, like, you know, that book you gave me, man, whoa, that was motivating, man. What was the title of it? Uh, the obstacle is the way. Yeah. Wow, I recommend everyone get that book. I love man. that book. Yeah. I mean one thing about that book and, and you know, I was going through some motivational problems with the book company at that time because I've been doing it for so long. I hadn't been able to turn the corner. I remember there's one thing in the book that was like, Have you knocked on every door? Have you and it's like I know so many people in the industry mm-hmm. and I was like, I haven't even come close to knocking on every mm-hmm. door. I mean, I know so many people. You know, right. it's like, you know, and yeah, a lot of people I thought maybe what didn't and said, but you know, hey, you gotta you know, hey, cause that one you know what I mean? Like right. you know, I tell people a lot, you know, when when Steve Rifkin gave me the big deal with Loud Records, like I never thought Steve would give me that deal. Remember, I was still mad at him for paying us fifty bucks a record to do the street promotion almost. Sure. Like I mean, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I had a lot of respect for Steve, but we weren't close. Right. And I never thought, you know, so is it you never know. Yeah. You know, that's why you always, you know, and you never know where someone's going to end up. You know, and I firmly believe that. Like, you know, I've seen people like come from nowhere, you know. So and, and like I said, just like you say, my aesthetic, like I don't think because you do this, that you know, we all pull our pants legs up one leg like, at the time. And I respect people that are like, you know, friendly and humble to everybody. You know? That's something I really respect, you know, mm-hmm. like like got like, look, Quincy Jones. Like after I met Quincy Jones, like you can be this famous, this rich, and this nice and down to earth. Anybody
1: can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, know, it it should be. We talked about this at dinner with Dante Ross the other night, right? Like Dante, I I came very close to doing a big deal with Dante. We didn't do it. He cussed me out. (laughs) Right, sure. He's one of the few people that's ever cussed me out. Still friends. Yeah, we're still friends. But, you know, but then, you know, I, I had my next demo, and I sat there for a minute. Should I send this to Dante? He told me never to speak to him again. Right, right. I just sent it. Right. And then he called me. He goes, yeah, let's do it. Mm. Right. Right. And It's kind of like my Steve Rifkin story. Right. Right, right. You know, and, uh, but, you know, in corporate, it's kind of not like that. It's kind of like, mm. hey, we're not going to hire you. And then we're not going to fuck with you ever. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) not like you're banned from the building, but it's kind of like there's no reason for us. decision has been made. Yeah. It's like there's no reason for us to talk again. Right. And maintain a relationship.
3: Right.
2: And um, There's no sense that maybe we, because it's not as entrepreneurial. It's it's not not as as entrepreneurial. So there's not the chance that maybe we figure out something to work on together. Right. Right, right, right.
1: And that's been, even now it's been, you know, over a decade, but that's been still hard for me to get used to Mm. because I have the feeling that once we know each other, You know, if there's something in common, you know, we're going to build on that. And someday something will happen or it won't or we'll be there for each other. Can I ask you a question? Yeah.
2: I I feel like in the music industry or in the entertainment industry, there's just a real lack of loyalty. Like you help somebody in business and then, you know, or you're involved with them. You work with them for a long Mm -hmm. time, whatever type of a thing. Do you feel in the marketing industry and working with these brands and stuff, would you say it's the same, worse or not as bad?
1: Right, it's just different. I think it's just different. Maybe part of it is that you know the the lane that I'm in in marketing is yeah. related to to entertainment a little bit, so right. some of that bleeds over. Got gotcha. you. Um, you know, I don't. I think you know. Yeah, I mean, you bring somebody a deal, a sponsorship deal, or whatever. Yeah. they're not necessarily. Going to stay loyal to you, right? Right, mm-hmm. you know. Sure, and, and they'll forget just as quickly that you brought them that deal, and they'll, right. they'll think it was their idea, or right. whatever. Like, but you know, that's just part of human nature, and people gotcha. are.
2: So you, you don't think that the music industry is particularly uh, 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 unloyal? That people are particularly like, like in other industries, they're not more loyal. Like, if you do good work for somebody in the entertainment industry, and if you do good work for somebody in the market
1: industry, are you more likely to?
3: No, 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 to be no, employed?
2: no.
1: No, if you're, like, especially as an agency, like, they will cut you off tomorrow
3: Mm -hmm. just
1: because... So there's less loyalty. There's there's not any more. There's not any more, right? Like, you know, you see that all the time where agencies, you know, and who knows what goes on behind the scenes in these relationships. Relationships are tough to manage, right? And so, but, you know, yeah, no, I think you can do... I mean, we've seen it all the time where... um, Clients have called us and said, hey, you know what? You guys are great. We love your work. Budgets are getting moved over here right. to an area outside right. of your world. So, you know, see you later. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, um, or we've seen it where we have a client. We love each other. They're giving us more work all the time. That client gets a new job and a new person comes in like,
2: and,
1: yeah. and they just say bye. Right. You know, uh, I'm or a, maybe
2: you get hired at the company where the other person around. sometimes. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or you, you, um, but you know. People want to bring their own people in and sure. do their thing. And, you know, that's just part of business. So right, I don't sure. think there's more loyalty. I think, though, you know, more there's logic. less of people going out of their way to fuck you. Right. Which we've seen plenty of in the music business that there are people that have made a career, their entire career is based on, you know, fucking over one person after another. Uh-huh. There's more opportunities to screw people, I think, in the music industry, mm-hmm. the way it's set up. Especially, like, if you want
2: to screw artists. You know what I mean? Like, there's not that dynamic in business as much where there's, like, this artist who's right. got this
1: talent. No, and you can go absolutely. Rip them off. You know, so it's kind of a different thing, you yeah. know what I mean, in regards to that. Yeah, and there's but, a lot less of, like, you know, one thing I learned early on was the power of a bidding war. Right. Right, that if I can go tell. If you can get one interested than in the other and you can really get a, a, absolutely. a better deal. That right, right. doesn't really happen right if one agency wants to
2: hire you the other you can't up the
1: thing. not really yeah, you know yeah, and yeah, they yeah. can and and uh you know or or you know they're like oh if we didn't sponsor coachella we'll sponsor you know fashion week or they'll just you know they'll just kind of do something else it's not right. that big a deal right um whereas you know i think in, in the music business like i gotta have that record you know right well i I would just like to think that other industries
2: had more loyalty because it seems like there's so little loyalty yeah. in the music or entertainment industry. But mm. you know,
3: I don't, yeah, I don't, but maybe, know.
2: It's, I don't know. I think it's you know, the more I older I get, the more I think it's just a case of money. Right. Just where there's money, there's greed, and
3: yeah,
2: you know. And we just have the whole like ego part of it more than the others because on top of the money, we have the
3: yeah.
2: Make you famous, mm-hmm. or For sure. I'm right. famous yeah. because you know I'm Clive Davis, or Absolutely. not him, but you know because yeah. he was a down, he's a down to earth cat. Like Clive Davis would call me back when I remember when I was used to call him about stuff, and I like these little poo-butt managers wouldn't call me back, and I'm like,
3: yeah,
1: it shows why he got. I get some of that too. I reached out, yeah. you know, to the, uh, you know, president of a big car company once. I sent him an email. I got an email back in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you like, see why he's the CEO. Right? Exactly. And then you know somebody's you know it's usually I think that's more of a middle management thing mm-hmm. that are just like I'm too busy mm-hmm. to you know and you're not important enough mm-hmm. right and then I mean that guy got back to me he said hey I don't have anything for you right sure we took the time to do that absolutely nice. it took him five seconds yeah. you know And it, but that was a that was a generous it thing to do it was a gesture and you appreciated it and no yeah, doubt yeah yeah. do you, you have a favorite DJ Mark Ronson Probably. really
2: yeah what Give us some more. That open format, you yeah. know, just being able to play anything. I mean, I remember seeing like guys like Clark can't kill it at parties in New York too. You know, because they would go from like soul, house, hip hop, reggae. You know, just like playing everything. You know what I mean? Like and 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 those like ups and downs of the night. You know, I mean, um, you know, locally, you know, Adam Twelve and Tindaji are good DJs. I mean, um, you know, um, I yeah. I, I love people that can um mix old and new. Uh, one thing I like about Mark is like he's got that flavor of like what's cool and hip but like you know like I heard him throw like you know like a cash money record on top of some other you know like he's not so like he mm-hmm. understands what's new and cool and happening and a way to mix it in with like all these classic great records. Uh that guy Cassidy's really good. You know yeah. what I mean? You know um yeah, yeah stuff like that. I nice. like, you know, I just I have such broad taste in music, you know. Sure. And I love guys that are creative, you know, Z trip. Oh, Z trip. Yeah. You know? yeah. and all his Newmark, oof, uh-huh. and he's such a nice guy too, good guy. Yeah, he's a, he's been on the show. Oh man, man, what a good dude! Man, shout out Definitely. to DJ Newmark. You know, yeah.
1: Um,
2: what about? Uh, I love guys like that that have reverence. You know, just
3: uh,
2: DJ Newmark treats me with so much respect because of some of the groups I discovered and everything like that. I just think it's nice. You know, I would do that in return, but yeah. I don't get that for most cats. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's just it's it's nice. I sure. really appreciate guys like that. Yeah because I feel like that about him, you know.
1: What about, you know, you've had so many uh, you know, big clubs, big club mm-hmm. nights. Does one stand out? A performance or a night? I remember that night we did
2: our club and like too short an Ice cube couldn't get in. It was That's so right. packed. Yeah, a shack couldn't get in or so right. like there was all all those guys couldn't get it cuz we were at capacity. Yeah. Uh when I did that club brass, I remember we had a night where like Jamalski and Queen Latifah were like on the mic busting and stuff yeah, like I that. Yeah, I think was there for Yeah, me. yeah, there's a really cool picture. You know, but but um, I don't know. People tell me, You remember you were DJing at that Quincy Jones party? I was like, huh? I no, I don't even remember a lot of stuff. Right. Dude. Too much kids, leave the blunts alone. <laughs> man. Too many blunts. Um, but um, yeah, I don't remember a lot of stuff. Um, but um, hopefully the best is still coming. For sure. I'm ready to throw some big over-the-edge books parties and yeah. you get my, you know, I'm going to show these cats out here how to do it. Definitely. You know what I mean? And, and And like, you know, my thing is like, I love all the old school and this and everything. I have a lot of reverence for it and everything, but I love youth and what's going on right now. And I just don't, I just I, I just hate that mentality of like, oh man, what we did was great and this stuff sucks. Right. I hate that. Yeah. I'm listening to all new
1: music. Do you think that's just an age thing? Or is there more to it than that?
2: I think it's always easy to be nostalgic for what was hot when you were young and mm-hmm. yeah. looking good and young girls are looking at you or whatever, you know, all that fun stuff. But no, nah, you know, I think it's that most people just. Like, I, you know, I think all ARs should have had to been DJs. For, mm. Like, like mm. I DJed for years, and, like, that's training. Like, like you right. learn what makes people, what people want, and it's pressure. Like, right. you know, all night, record after record, you got to keep it going. It ain't just like right. you play one record, oh, okay, that worked, you know. <laughs> next, that you got to keep it going, you know. And so I, I think that kind of really honed mm-hmm. DJing for so long. It really honed my understanding of what, people like in music a lot sure. and what makes people you know gravitate towards certain things you know and um Do you so, think so i think i'm in touch i just feel like me personally like i'm in touch with what's going on right now so i understand get it and understand some people i just don't think there is emmer- they're not as immersed in it or as real with it or they would you know they had their little air and they, that was what they were about and they get it you know right that's cool yeah, but I... And everybody's you, different, you know.
1: Sure. Yeah. But you mentioned that, like, DJing, and, and obviously the craft of DJing is changing. Oh, yeah. Dramatically, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, we've had a lot of DJs on this show, and and the the guys are, like, there's a common theme. Yeah. Kind of a, what you just said. It's like a, a lot of it is what you get back from the crowd. Right. Right, and it's learning to read a room and learning to pay attention. Right. To even the different, you know, Adam 12 talked about, you know, you got the the punkers over here uh-huh. and the hip hop kit the breakers that want to hear this song and the girls that so how do you song. play the stuff that's gonna make them all or, how do you how
2: do you orchestrate or, it or you or? build a
1: set around that right, right, to, right, right so that everybody gets theirs right right and I think um you know there have always been good djs and bad djs sure I think you know technology has helps the
2: good djs be better
1: yeah and also helps the bad djs be better that's true Right, like that's true. No, that's um, definitely true. You don't have to train wreck anymore because you can't mix, right? You can. That's true. There's a solution for that. Not necessarily a bad thing. No, no. Well, I mean, I
2: there's nothing I hate more than button pusher DJs and that whole culture, right? But you know, I, I'm gonna tell you a funny thing too. And all the DJs that know me know this. I, you know, I DJ like. I DJed the Fresh Prince TV show for the studio audience. I did mm-hmm. Will Smith's first wedding. I used to do Wesley Snipes' parties. I did stuff like that Club Brass, which was cutting edge cool. I yeah. did like Jamaica House. On. I DJed a lot of big stuff, but technically I was pretty horrible as a DJ. I wasn't good, Josh. I was, I you know what? But I was so good at knowing what people wanted to hear, right. and I was just proficient enough that I made it work. You're talking about the actual blending. Oh yeah, okay. that was shitty. Yeah. My wife's, my ex wife, when she started DJ and she jumped on the wheels was better than me like in a week. That right. you know, like almost immediately there. But I and, and and part of it I think is what like I worked. I had to work so hard at the other because I wasn't blessed. Right. That's what made me so good at understanding what people want. You know, but so it's like you know the technical part is important, but like knowing what people want to hear mm-hmm. is ultimately the most important. And that's why I would out DJ and get paid and hired around these DJs that were way technically better than me when mm-hmm. I was DJing. You know what I mean? And people would hire me because the most people don't care. They want to hear what they want to hear. You know, as long as you can, you know, and, it, you know, that's why when I got be- uh, more money, I stopped DJing and I just hired good DJs because right. I knew what a good DJ was. Right. and yeah. It wasn't me, but, you know, I had my thing mm-hmm. and I was better than most of these cats because I know what people want to hear, right. mm-hmm. you know? And so so I have a much different
1: perspective, you know? Yeah, no, I get get. it. I get it. Um, I just wonder, you know, how much, how easy it is for, you know, we talk about, you know, the the way the culture is today. Like how easy it is to stay tapped into that. Well, you just need to hang out with young people.
2: Yeah, you, yeah. Just, you, you just you gotta you gotta have broad circles, you know. Yeah. It's like we're all in this ageism thing in this country. You know what I mean? It's like you know you need to have you know old friends that can teach you the old school stuff and young people to put you up on one certain right now. I mean, I've been listening to nothing but like new ratchet stuff right now. I love it, man. Like you know, I you
1: know what what stands out?
2: Oh man, I'm, my man, bad luck. Out of Watts, big shout out to him, um, you know, Problems, YG, all the L.A. stuff, mm-hmm. you know, Migos, Pee Wee Longway, the, the, the Southern stuff, you know, I mean, just, you know, um, a lot, you know, and I love all this like down tempo, electronica, really groovy stuff like a Doja Cat type of, you know, there's all this like groovy yeah. stuff coming out, you know what I mean? Um you know, something like where the down tempo electronica meets the R and B. You know, it's just really cool stuff happening in that in that genre. All these mm-hmm. uh, unknown bands, SoundCloud stuff. You know, um, and um, yeah, I'm listening to. Um, I mean, I love Ray Strumming. I mean, like you know, I'm really into. Um, I don't like everything. I don't you know like I'm not a Nicki Minaj fan. There's certain things I don't like, but I, sure. but a lot of the new music I'm you know like I said I I love Ray Strum. I think those guys are geniuses. Yeah. man. Yeah, tie dollar sign. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, future. You know, really mm-hmm. digging a lot of new music. You know, and of course, I I have reverence and love. I mean, I, I'm a music head. I like Bob Marley, Miles Davis. I mean, I have very sophisticated taste, all the way to the Ratchet. E- extreme other end. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely.
0: Get nerd, but I'm off the curb, push mountains of earth, you niggas already heard, the bro bird, keep a pistol grip, pump on his lap at all times, whatever, however, cause young niggas stay trying, see him and be like, huh, nigga what, huh, give a fuck, like what, blow my weed, smash the gas, hop up in my lane, shit be looking way different through these thousand dollar frames, baby me, me, millionaire mind fuck a thousand dollar brain. thousand dollar lame, only get loud around this gang ass nigga,
1: It's all just self-expression, right?
3: Yeah,
2: I, I mean, I, I I just think you know, it's like each generation kind of has their thing, right? You know, like we had our thing and it was really cool, and you know what's going on right now. Like I I just like Travis Scott, this uh, Post Malone, this kind of like singing. Rap thing that's going on right now, and just a lot of the musicality and a lot of the music, like the production and everything. Like you know, it's it's uh it's exciting. I mean, like you know, the, the sample driven stuff that from the golden era is great, but you know, it's just a different right. You know, a different thing. Yeah, for you sure. Know? I you know, for me, it's like. When I I'm the kind of person like when I I was always a reggae fan. When I went to Kingston and went to like a real dance in Kingston, it was like man, you know, I became even just a more hardcore reggae fan. When I went somewhere and heard them playing like calypso at a mm-hmm. dance, you see, mm-hmm. like when you go to when you go to a uh, 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 Brazil and and you see the uh, sambas at the dance yeah. school and everything, you get into it. Like that's how I am. When yeah. I'm in the culture and I see the thing, yeah. if it's real, like the first time I went to the South, I wasn't into that kind of music. Then I right. went to a club and I seen. Girls dancing on top of tables, everybody freaking at this hour. Wow! It's funny. You this know, is fun. This is hot. <laughs> for
1: sure. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it's funny. You know, we love to travel. My wife and I, right. we go all all over the world, and we have t- two things that we have to do everywhere we go. We go to a club, mm-hmm. and we go to a grocery store. Mm. And you know, I've been to grocery stores in little towns in China, right, right, and right, whatever. But you know, because you. You really see how people live. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you, and the, you know, in the club, you see how people dance, how they get yeah, down, right? And, yeah. it's, and it's a totally, you know, like you said, it, it, it completely, I mean, going to a summer school in right. Rio. Right. Right. Like that is not the same as listening to, to a, a Samba record, no, home, no, no, You know what I mean? No, not at all. Um, no, you experience,
2: you yeah. feel when you in the, you know what I mean? And, you, like, sometimes, and, and for me, like, that'll make me a fan after. Yeah. Right. So then after I'm listening to Samba and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I get it. Once yeah. you're in that environment right. where people are like, and it's usually dance music. Yeah. And it's usually something that people are partying off of, you know. Right. I mean, when I went to Dominican, like talk about this ageism thing, you got old people and young kids partying, dancing off their music and everything, you know, yeah. and it's like, I thought I knew a lot about Latin music, man. Like there's so many different styles. Sure. It's, it's, you know, absolutely. It's really amazing. You know, it's yeah. a big world, you know, and it's really exciting. I, I just, I love traveling and hearing different, what people are into culturally. And, and now what's great is like the internet. Like I remember we were traveling in South America and the, 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 the Korean guy with the huge hit uh, was out. Oh, Psy. Right. And they were covering it in all the different languages. Like, yeah. we're in we're in Paraguay, and we're hearing, like, the Spanish version or whatever. Like, you know, it was That's just dope. like, yeah, it's just like the way things travel off the Internet now, I think, you know, it's the, the cultures it's a smaller world now. Yeah. So, you know, you go places, they got Wi-Fi, and all of a sudden they're listening to, like, something you were listening to that came out of your town and you're cr- halfway across the world. And, like, this is weird. This is crazy. It's
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know we're probably running out of sure. time. Sure um but but so how is a good book like a good record well you
2: know at the end of the day we're finding a creative talent and we're taking their talent and 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 exposing it to the world right so whether it's a song or, you know, some artwork in a book or writing in a book or something like that. You know, it's a creative piece of art that somebody created that, that I believe in that I'm helping share with the world. So mm-hmm. if it's a song, I'm trying to get people to listen to or it. If it's a book, I'm trying to get people to read it's It's a creative do you, project. Do you think that,
1: that ex- you just talked about your experience as a DJ and what that does right. to uh, the process of finding music. Right. How do you apply that to finding books and authors?
2: Well, you know, I think, um, in, in in kind of hopefully in the way that I understand what makes people move with music, I understand culturally what excites people because I live in the culture and Mm -hmm. breathe it and study it, but you know, I'm a part of it as well. You know what I mean? So when I see something, I discovered a lot of cool stuff off Instagram, like all these great people doing this stuff on Instagram and we start following each other. I'm like, wow, you got all this cool art. We should do a book of it or something like that. Or you got all this photography. We should, you know what I mean? Or whatever. And so, um, you know, um, I think, you know, it, it's it's just about trying to find something that, that I believe and love and think that other people will. And then just trying to help get it out there. So, you know, song, book, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: What's the last great book you read? What's the Obstacle that? is the Way. The Obstacle is the Way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Read it. It's dope. Still... Yeah. Um, and uh... and The Life of Curtis Snow. Oh, yeah.
2: I, 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 my Life as a G, the autobiography of Curtis Snow on Over the Edge Books that's for sale book. on Amazon, Nook, and iTunes. That's what's up. It's yeah. a great book. When is the Paul Stewart book coming? Good question. I'm working on it. Um, you know, I want the book coming to be a big success and I can have my swan song kind of, you know, something, yeah. you know, and you know, kind of tap. But I, I am working on it. I mean, I got crazy stories and this and that, you know. Um, I want to tell other people's stories first and mm-hmm. then I'll get to it, you know, that's the plan.
1: Dope. Thanks for doing this, man. man it's been great to have you It was wonderful. Right on. We'll come back anytime you you got books to promote. All right, cool. Maybe you so, can have Darlene on. I would love to have Darlene on. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll do it. Dope. Thank you. Nice. You guys like that one? If you're into 90s hip hop, there's a lot of good stories there. Hopefully some brought up some good memories for you. I know it did for me. Next week... We'll probably talk about something totally different. So tune in and find out.